All right. Good evening, everybody. Welcome. Episode 19, Sports Talk with Jeff and Mike. Michael Elkins here with my co-host, Jeff Kamenetsky. I'm not going to ask you how you're doing because we have a lot. We have a lot to now, get come to. Come on. you got to at least say how you're doing. We have a lot to get to. I'll remember say, this. Man. You can say how you're doing. When I'm doing good. Thanks All for right. asking. <laughs> it's episode 19. Lots of stuff because we did not get to do a pop-up pod and we're not going to have any time next week. So um, let's just get right into it. We have this day in sports and then we've got a ton, ton of football, baseball and college football to get to. This day in sports, go. <laughs> October 16th. That's today. 1969. I was a child of six what happened on that day? The biggest miracle in baseball, as far as I'm concerned, the New York Mets toppled the mighty Baltimore Orioles Game 5 of the World Series to become the ex- first expansion team to, to be world champs. They did it in five games after winning 73 games the year before. The Orioles' big-time favorite. The Mets were 100-1 to shots in preseason to win it, and they go on. They beat the Braves in the playoffs and take down the mighty Orioles five games. That's what happened in 1969. I was six years old. I, do I remember it? No. But I've <laughs> okay. read a lot about it. <laughs> right. And uh, I know people, That's fair. I know people were jumping up and down in my house, and I didn't know why at the time. Now I know. By the way, what happened yesterday really quickly was – Honorable Jer- mention. Honorable mention. Justin Turner hits the game-winning walk-off home run for the Dodgers in the bottom of the ninth. That was on the same anniversary in 1988. Kirk Gibson goes deep in game one of the 1988 World Series off of Dennis Eckerson. One of the greatest calls in Vin Scully's career, and um, and Joe and uh, Jack Buck as well. Okay, um, let's get into the NFL. That's what everyone's talking about. Two real big things uh, that come out of Week Six. Neither one of them um, actually is game analysis. Well, one of them sort of is. First, Aaron Rodgers goes down, broken collarbone, announced today out for the season. Um, this huge news for the National Football League, not just because it's Aaron Rodgers, although. That's big. You know, the number, if you want to say he's the best, fine. I say he's 1A and 1B well, with Tom Brady. I think Brady. it's the most important to his team. Absolutely. No question about it. Um, that is a massive injury, not only for the Packers, but for the National Football League. You take Aaron Rodgers and you add to that list of great players, J.J. Watt, Odell Beckham Jr., Julian Edelman. I mean, the list goes Andrew on Luck and on. Andrew Luck's still out. Um, what is going on? No, no, I don't know. It's, hard. it's it's crazy. I saw that hit. I didn't think it was that hard at the time. No. Nope. And I don't think it was illegal. It's a, this is football. It, it was a hit. He got rid of it. But I, I think that no athlete or no NFL player is more important to his team than Aaron Rodgers. Completely agree. And what are they going to do? They're going to stay with a backup or are they going to go for somebody like, and the names I've heard, like the names you've heard, Tony Romo. No, they're and, staying with their backup. And Colin Kaepernick, who I think just today, as we'll talk about later, I think uh, just kind of closed the door on, on his returning to the NFL. Which I talked to the New York Daily News about extensively, for those of you out there who want to read that article. Good article. you got to read it. Um, so I, I think if they go with, uh, with the backup, they stay with him. He didn't look very good against Minnesota. It changes the whole complexion of not only the uh, NFC North, but the NFC. Um, yeah, it does. I don't know. I mean, the Packers, to me, were the best team in the NFC. Now, who the hell is it? Well, I feel like that's a theme throughout the National Football League that we're going to get to. My, a final, put a final point on Aaron Rodgers. Um, I do think Packers management has to bear a little responsibility here because you need to be prepared when if your star quarterback goes down. I know not every team is, but some are better prepared than others. So we're going to find out um, how deep 
the Green Bay Packers truly are. And I think Packer fans are in for a long haul. They're about to feel normalcy for the first time in a long time. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Having, a, having that good backup is very, very good insurance. And nobody thinks that Aaron Rodgers is going to go down, right? The guy is, is something invincible. We see what happened with Tom Brady. Um, it happens. It happens to the best of them. So they're learning it now. They got a long haul because the Vikings and uh, Lions are kind of uh, chopping yeah. up the heels. There. Um, so this is not the first time Rodgers has missed games. Notably for Brady, he's only been injured once in his whole career. So a little bit of a difference there. All right. The other big thing that everybody's talking about, and I'm happy to say I was at the stadium when this happened, is the um, the touchdown, not touchdown, fumble, not touchdown, fumble in the Jets-Patriots game. Um Jets fans are furious. Patriots fans are screaming. You got to know the rules. So um, it was Safarian Jenkins coming down. Jets are down by 10. Game clock is winding down. Um, He goes to the left side of the field, reaches. Looks like it's a touchdown fast. Gets reviewed. um, And not only is the touchdown taken away, but it's called a touchback. Ball goes back to the Patriots. When you first look at the play, when I was in the stadium, the people went crazy. Jets fans were walking out of the stadium. The stadium was ra- – they were raining down stuff on the field. They were furious. I actually – I was wearing like a, a Patriots throwback pullover, which I quickly took off because I had a nondescript shirt on underneath and um, went inside because I wanted to see the replay. I didn't know the rule at the time. When you watch the replay, and I'm actually looking at a photo right now, when he's approaching the goal line – he does not have the ball. The ball is not controlled by um, anything. Now, the um, I think it was – let me pull his name. Hold on. One second. Okay, Al Riveron, NFL senior president of officiating, said on a conference call today that this call was obvious. And here's the deal. He loses control of the ball. And that doesn't mean the ball goes flying out. It doesn't mean it hits the turf. It means the ball is being bobbled in his – in, in his possession, for lack of a better word, he doesn't regain control completely until he is over the goal line and out of bounds. Because he didn't have control going into the end zone and because he went out of bounds, by rule, that is a touchback. And, and let me just read you what the senior vice president of officiating said. Um, even though, and this is a quote, even though he may have had the ball in his hands the second time, that control does not mean possession until he comes to the ground and shows firm control of the ball at that point. When he lost the ball short of the goal line, when he lost the ball, which he did, by the way, the, the, the video clearly shows that, he regained control, but that doesn't mean he possesses the ball. He doesn't possess the ball until he's completed going to the ground now and recontrolling the ball, which he did not survive the ground, which is why it wasn't a touchdown. Had he never lost control of the ball in the first place, you would have a touchdown. But because he lost the ball and now has to reestablish control of the ball, that was the period of time. Riveron said on Monday the rule was properly applied. And I quote, we might not agree with the rule, but that is the rule. So the rule was enforced correctly. The point there is he ended up out of bounds in the end zone. That's the problem here. Now, Malcolm Butler, according to Bill Belichick and to Butler, actually, but Belichick after the game and on a conference call today said Butler ran to the sideline and told Belichick he didn't have the ball. It's a touchback, Bill. It's a touchback. Butler, Malcolm Butler, was asked in the locker room after the game, how did you know that rule? It's very obscure. And Butler's response was, when you play for Bill Belichick, you know the obscure rules. So um, 
Jets fans, I'm sorry. Bad rule, good call. Your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, I guess so. I, I, I watched it many times. It had to be clear and convincing. It wasn't to me. But if that's the rule, that's the rule. Just uh, It's one of those rules you, you got to live with. Uh, I don't think it would have meant the game anyway if the Jets still would have lost. They were down by 10. And that's, well, so you bring up the other point. The Jets were still going to be down by three points and with the Patriots getting the ball. That was not the game tying or the go-ahead touchdown. They were down by 10 at that point. Um, so yeah. let yeah, I mean, so that I don't understand, you know, why the, there's a complete, uh, why there's complete hysteria over this. Jets fans are acting like that would have tied the game or put them ahead. No, they were still behind. Yeah, they would. I think they would have still lost. Uh, but I, I'd say, they, you know, they were all excited. They they scored a touchdown. They're they what that 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 would have brought them within uh, three three, right? That's right. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So, I, I mean, it's the rule. The rule it is. It has to be clear and convincing. And if they thought it was, then I guess, I guess it, it was. It's the rule that's the problem. The rule the is call. the problem. Absolutely. So let's talk about that game real quick. Um, you know, Patriots defense comes in, gives up 14 points on the first two drives, and makes Josh McCown look like Joe Montana. Yeah. And then, all of a sudden, they lock down the Jets. I know McCown threw for a lot of yards, but they gave up three points the remainder of the game. Lot they gave on third down in the first quarter. The Jets were five of six on third down and some long third downs. Patriots defense on three or four straight drives went got them to go three and out. So while it's not perfect, the defense is still improving. Now on that last drive, they gave up a big fourth and I think I think it was twelve, which didn't look good at all. But the defense is improving. Look, the bottom line is. How many points do you give up? They only gave up 17 points. Tom Brady looked like Tom Brady again. Some huge plays to Gronk, huge plays to Brandon Cooks. Um, it's brought the team back again. Look, Patriots could have easily gone gone away in this game. They were down 14 nothing early, and I was in that stadium. It was crazy, and it looked really bad for New England. So while I don't think this is the prettiest of wins, I give the Patriots credit for fighting back. I give the defense credit for holding in quarters two, three, and four to only three points. Gave up a lot of yards, but they don't give you wins based on yards. It's based on points. Yeah, it's, it's, the Jets don't have an offense, and it really it was quite surprising to me that they were moving the ball so easily against the Patriots. I think the Patriots won because of Gronkowski, and the Jets had nobody to really cover him on those touchdowns. He is just impossible to bring down an open, open field. Um, this game was really surprising to me how the Jets could stay that close to a team that I thought was going to walk all of them. The Jets don't have an offense to me, and they seem to look move the ball pretty well against them. So, uh, Patriots going into next week playing a team that we'll talk about in a little bit. Right. The Falcons, who have been very disappointing, along with every other team that I thought was going to be good in the NFL this year, all, <laughs> which we'll talk teams, about. All the teams that I didn't think were going to be good are are doing very well. Dogs and cats living it's together. Just a really weird season and and this weekend was the you know perfect example of topsy turvy NFL speaking year. of weird giants well that's that's the uh, that's what the happened? ultimate of weirdness which i i really was not looking forward to last night's game and um and as the game goes on i'm thinking you know giants must have been playing with some type of uh, extra vibe in their uh in their locker room saying you know we've been so maligned for the f- first 5 games of this season we have nothing to lose because nobody is expecting us to do anything. So I think two th- I think that was part of it. And the other thing is that they exposed a Bronco team that's not as good as everybody says. Um, they're supposed to have the number one run defense in the NFL. 
At least they did going into that game, and Orleans Darkwell runs very well against them. Made the Giants' offensive line looks like, look like the Dallas Cowboys. But the Giants' defense really played well. Um, nobody could block Jason Pierre-Paul, and they were putting a lot of pressure on Simeon. The Broncos had nothing going on. Giants stopped the run. They stopped the pass. They dominated the game in a way I never thought they could. And Dominated is the right they, word. And they changed their, their style a little bit. They say, Even Eli said after the game, we have a lot of new guys catching passes. Let's go play a different kind of ball, which is a lot of run, and our defense, which is really kind of the Giants style anyway. And they got back to it, and they actually moved the ball on the ground, and they looked really, really efficient. Now they've got to go against Seattle next week, and we'll see what happens. But that, that's the epitome to me of what's going on in the NFL this year, where you just can't predict what the heck is going to happen, right? I mean, if you want to go down these these games, and we're going to see some crazy stuff. Mike, you and I were talking before the show about the Chiefs. So how do you explain <laughs> that, that, that Chiefs-Steelers? I even picked I, – I think I picked the Chiefs. The yeah, Chiefs, you did. The Chiefs I thought were going to have pretty easy with the Steelers who are coming off a nightmare of a game, right? Five. Ben Roethlisberger throws five picks and no touchdowns. So what happens in this game? The Steelers look like the, the Steelers with Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. The first time they each in one game has, have gone over 150 yards in the same game. But they look like the Steelers of all. Bell goes for 179 yards and 32 carries. Brown catches eight balls for 155. So what happened to the Chiefs? I mean, this was a team that I was saying was the best team in football. They had, they had explosiveness all over the place. They couldn't run the ball. They ran the ball, I think, for 20-something yards against the Steelers. Total. Yeah. Um, how do you explain it? I don't. Well, I think a couple things. First, right now, we, you and I, and I really feel like every other analyst out there are in this sort of week-to-week Mode. So we look at the week. We look at the week that was. We look at the game, and that we base our decision, right? And generally, that works because you always you think you're going to have a few teams at five and one, and you think you're going to have a few teams at four and two, which you do, and you have a few teams at zero oh and five or one and five. The problem with this year is that the teams that are four and two, those four wins and those two losses are bizarro. I, I mean, I don't want to go back to the Patriots, but they're four and two, but they easily could be one and six. Yeah. I mean, one and five, one right? Five. I mean, the Giants are zero oh and five, or one and one and five. Sorry, one and five, one and five. But yeah. but they look like world they beaters against wins. against the Broncos, who you know who had only had a loss going in, and the Chiefs, who looked impressive all the way through but look frankly they were behind new england in the first three quarters of that game so all of a sudden they looked the offense was prolific in the first five games now it it looks like what it used to look like at home at arrowhead by the way one of the toughest places to play so we don't even have sort of a global perspective because these games are so bizarre look at the falcons dolphins game the Dolphins were one. dead and buried at seventeen, down seventeen to nothing. Ryan Tannehill's out. Jay Cutler's like probably knocking back a pack of Marlboros on the sideline, and they're at Atlanta. And then all of a sudden, you look up and it's and and the Dolphins oh, win the game. Weird. That was just weird. And and you look at the current playoff standings, which I know it's early. I, I get it, but it's fun to look at. And the Dolphins are the six seed. Right. The Patriots are the three seed. The Bills are now out. I think the Bills are now out. And the Raiders are number 14 in the conference. So the Raiders lose at Ra- home to the Chargers. To the Chargers, who and are terrible. The Buccaneers, who preseason we thought were going to be so good, lose to the Cardinals. Um, and, I mean, it's, it's really, really weird. The Redskins almost lost to the 49ers. <laughs> yeah. So, and the Saints romp 
the Lions. And then the who, Bears who beat the Ravens. Ravens. The Bears right. look terrible. So, so what this tells me that, well, I think there are a lot of bad teams in the NFL. I don't think there's any dominant team in the NFL anymore. That's I, right. I, I can't find them. I mean, are the Eagles the best team in the NFC? It's hard to fathom that, but, but who knows? Who is the best team in the AFC? Is it the Patriots? Is it the Chiefs? Is it the Steelers? We can't tell from week to week. Well, it, let, let's just take those three teams, which is a great – that's a great microcosm. So the Chiefs beat the Patriots, but the Steelers beat the Chiefs, but the Chiefs lost at home, and the Patriots are winning. The Patriots, by the way, are undefeated on the road and have two losses at home. I mean, this is Ghostbusters, right? Dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. In what world, if you had said to me the Patriots will be 4-2, and two, but two of those losses are going to be at Gillette, I would have said to you, you know nothing about football. If they were going to be 4-2, and two, those two losses would definitely be on the road. It's bizarre. It's crazy. And it's completely crazy. And they've given up still the most points in the league. They're tied. Yet they're 4-2. Um, and two. They're 4-2. and two, Tied with the Colts. Um, we actually have to play tonight. So um, it, I think what's going to happen over the next few weeks is that some team, one team maybe, or more than one team, is going to start uh, showing them. It's only six games in, right? There's ten games to go. Uh, they're going to start showing some signs that they're going to start separating themselves from the pack. The Eagles seem to be the one right now, but I just can't fathom, fathom that. You know, how, the, yeah, how confident are you in that? No, right? I, I'm not. I can't. I, can't. I was saying the Packers were, you know, but it just. Well, then Rodgers goes yeah, down. Rodgers down. So this is actually makes it really cool because any of these teams. I mean, who knows if the Jaguars are for real, the Titans are for real, or the Texans are for, are for real. That whole division is weird. Maybe those teams are for real. Maybe they all suck. I don't. I don't know. And I think the next four or five weeks are going to some teams will start rising to the top. I, I think we mentioned it, but I want to. Double back to it real quick. What happened to the Raiders? Because they are bad. They're, they're two and four. I think they're I, almost out of contention right well, now. Well, what made them so good last year? Um, Derek Carr. Derek Carr, Crabtree, and um, uh, Cooper. Murray Cooper, right? And not a really good running game. They had Latavius Murray, who's gone, and Marshawn Lynch. Now I don't think he's really been a factor. No. Um, so Carr, I, uh, the games I watched, they, he would throw the ball downfield, take chances. I don't think it's working this year. Um, their defense is not performing very well and and didn't it, perform very well last year and it just doesn't car doesn't seem to have it but it's a very very topsy-turvy league and the teams that are at the bottom right now who knows i, I mean the giants are one or five i'm not predicting anything great from them but there are some other teams that are down um like the chargers who i haven't lost faith yet in uh and the titans who are two and three who could rise to the top um are the are the bills dolphins and jets for real i mean who knows it's that well, kind of season but and let's talk about the jets the team that was supposed to not win a game, right, goes into a game against the team that was supposed to win every game in a battle for first place right. in week six. Right. It's, it is bizarre. Yeah, and I, I think – I feel like if anyone says, I know who's dominant and I know who's going to win this, I, I don't think that you have any statistical basis to make a call right now. I, yeah. see, I, I see tinges of possi- – I see possibilities from teams – I really liked the Packers, but I think with Rodgers, they're done. But you watch, they're probably, they'll probably win out now. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'll tell you. And, and just one thing that I'm noticing, it's a, I'm just looking at statistics from yesterday's game. I don't think this is – I've seen this in a while where running backs, certain running backs are getting enormous amount of carries. I mean, Fournette. Look, right, I mean – Brown. Like, Ajayi, 26 yeah. carries, 130 yards. Yep. Mark Ingram, 25 carries, 114 yards. Very different. It's weird. Jordan Hay- Howard. 36 carries, I mean, 167 yards. Adrian Peterson, props to Adrian Peterson. Yeah, 26 big carries, game. 134 yards. Yep. First game with the cards and two touchdowns. Fournette, 21 carries. Le'Veon Bell, 32 carries. Melvin Gordon, 25. You know, you bring up a great point. Let me ask Weird. you this. 
do you think the evolution has been passing since 2007, right? Since since New England changed it with the slot and then everyone sort of yeah. followed suit, right? And the rule changes from the Colts. You think that teams have said, you know, I got a guy like Leonard Fournette. Defenses had to adjust to passing, right? So the, the linebackers and the DBs became lighter, faster, uh, more versatile. You think teams have now said, what are you going to do with a guy like a Leonard Fournette who's just going to rush? You, you, you can't. A 216, 220-pound linebacker is not bringing down right. Leonard Fournette. Right. And, I and, mean, it's an interesting question. Right. And what these – I think what, what we have in common is that eventually – like Fournette has done the last two games. Eventually, a guy is going to break one. He's going to go 70 yards or 90 yards. He's eventually going to break one. You hand the ball to Le'Veon Bell 32 times, he eventually is going to break one. But I think you're right. I think the, the defenses, maybe the linebackers especially, were built to cover these fast slot receivers. And suddenly, I think we're, we're seeing a more of a trend now to – the team's going to find a back – to carry the load, one guy is going to go thirty carries or more. I mean, we haven't seen that in a long time. And how many? How many guys? Christian I, McCaffrey, by the yeah. way, with the Panthers doing it too. Yeah, I mean, I just counted. I don't know how many guys. Twenty five or more carries. I mean, that, that's unbelievable. We we weren't seeing that. We were seeing maybe guy going fifteen carries, another guy going nine or ten. You were seeing a lot of splitting, splitting of the, splitting yeah. duties. Now, right? now one of these guys, this is becoming. I don't know. It's an interest. I just noticed it, and I go, wow, it's really they're really feeding these guys a lot. And maybe the trend's starting to go back the other way to a, uh, a more emphasis on the running game, which I love. We'll see. Le'Veon Bell, 32 carries. Yeah, I mean, crazy. I think it's interesting if teams have figured out how to beat up on some of these maybe faster, arguably more versatile defenses, but that are expecting these prolific passing games. Um, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a really interesting move by a lot of these defenses. So I think we – and I think the rest of our audience and probably everybody else agrees – you just don't know what you're going to get right now, week to week. And speaking of which, um, in our picks last week, you went and you really didn't know <laughs> um, one and two, and I, yeah. I was two and one. But now, so for the season, we're both dead even at five and four against the spread. Hey, look, against the spread, five and four yeah. is not bad. I should be better than that against know, the spread. Right. Well, this season, well, Jimmy the Greek over here. Is it? Well, no, but think- this season's so messed up, man. I, I bet on the. Uh, I, what did I do? I bet on the Broncos yesterday and the Giants. Which I thought was the easiest bet. When you told me you were picking that game, by the way, I was like, oh, man, I wanted to pick that game. But you had, it was the Giants, so you get it the, the Giants. Giants games, but yeah. I mean, this is, that just shows that it's a very tough season to uh, pick. Uh, by the way, Mariota's starting tonight, so we'll see if he's healthy. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Um, okay, everybody. So, like I said, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria in the NFL. We're going to take a short break. We're going to be right back with Week 7 Preview. Giants, Patriots, we'll give you our picks. And then um, Major League Baseball playoffs. And for our Penn State people out there, you got to wait to the end, but it's coming. Is Penn State the best team in college football? We'll get into it later. Sit tight. We'll be right back. This is Sports Talk with Jeff and Mike. All right, everybody. Thanks for sticking with us. We're back. Um, excuse me. All right, week seven uh, NFL preview. As you guys know, we always cover the Giants and the Patriots, and we're going to start with the Patriots this week. It's a big game. It's Super Bowl Fifty One rematch from Gillette Stadium. As I told everybody at the beginning of the year, this should have been the opening game. I just, I don't want to dwell on it, but it just makes no sense to me that it wasn't. On and and now. And this makes this does make sense though. Look what happened. If you had these two teams meet up for the opening game, 
it's supposed to be the two best teams in the league again, and you know the drama from the Super Bowl comeback and Gillette Stadium and the banner. Now, the Patriots are four and two. The Falcons can't keep a lead on anybody. They're free falling, and it's not quite the same matchup that it was. Um, I haven't, you know, unfortunately, I haven't been able to dig too deep into this because the Patriots they haven't practiced yet this week, and I haven't listened. Usually, I listen to the conference calls. From Belt with the media with Belichick, Matt Patricia, the D coordinator, Josh McDaniels, the offensive coordinator, and you can get some information as to who's practicing. You get a little bit of the injury report. Don't have the benefit of that yet. What I will say is this: Atlanta's got a lot of speed. They're really fast on offense. We saw that in the first half of the Super Bowl. Patriots are really slow on defense, both on the defensive line and in the secondary. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see how. What do you think is going to happen? Oh, I think Matt Ryan's going to chew them up. No question. I can't. But now. Matt Ryan but, but, hasn't been well, well underperforming this year. Matt Ryan has not been performing. He's not, he's but Josh, performing. Josh McCown looked like a damn Hall of Famer against this defense. What do you think Ryan's going to do? Now, I say that, right? It's the easiest call. Patriots have the worst point differential defense in the league. Secondary's been getting chewed up. So it's an easy call. Ryan and the Falcon offense is going to chew him up. You watch, Patriots will shut him out because nothing makes any sense this year. Um, but I actually think the Patriots, they, the, the defense had some bright spots. It, it really did. And Belichick made clear today on WEEI that, there, that no team is a finished product in week six and that there is improvement happening. So I'm going to trust Belichick over anyone else because he knows. So I look for the Patriots offense to um, really move against Atlanta. Atlanta. This Atlanta defense has to be reeling. Look, they coughed it up big time in the Super Bowl, and they've coughed it up this year a bunch of times. They should have lost to the Bears. They should have lost to the Lions, and they gave it up against Miami. So I think Brady and the Patriots are going to take – Both of these teams could be 1-5, right? Fair. Absolutely fair. I mean, no question about it. They haven't played it. well enough to be what their record is. I mean, they, they, they both could be 1-5, but I, I think the Patriots are going to wake up. The Falcons don't – I mean, Julio Jones – Hasn't scored a touchdown. They say the team since Shanahan is gone. They don't seem to be. They're relying a lot on the run. They don't have any explosiveness. And there was one big touchdown running through yesterday. But this doesn't look like the same Atlanta team from last year. No, don't. it doesn't. And it, as, at the very least, the Patriots' offense is as prolific as it was last year. It's the number one ranked yeah. offense. So that that's saying something. Whereas Atlanta looks completely different. But it's hard to say that. You know, Sanu and 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 Ryan and Jones aren't going to light this secondary up. I mean, they did it. They could run the ball very well with, you know, with Devontae Coleman Freeman. And Freeman and yeah, they, they could really run the ball. Absolutely. I don't know, man. I don't know. It's it's at home. It's, it's a Sunday night. I, I, well, what does that at home mean? The Patriots have lost two yeah, games at home this year. It's Sunday night. I, <laughs> they I, lost on Thursday night to Kansas City. From what I've seen, I, I don't know. What? Who knows? This is a crazy season, right? So yeah, I mean, the line on this the line on this game is three and a half. I'm actually going to take the Patriots and give the three and a half. I. I agree with you. I think this is the wake-up call game for the Patriots' defense. I think the Patriots' defense is going to play really well. Now, what evidence do I have of that? The last three quarters of the Jets game. I know they gave up a lot of yards, but they gave up a lot of yards last year. They were number one in points last year. They gave up a ton of yards, and that's a hallmark of this defense. And they did it, by the way, with only three cornerbacks the whole game. Stephon Gilmore did not play against the Jets. So if you get – and neither did Eric Rowe. So if you get Rowe back, if you get Gilmore back – You've got a healthier defense. The team is getting healthier as the season progresses. So I look for a big performance by this defense. Um, If anybody can game plan for the Falcons, we know it's Patricia and Belichick. So um, I like the Patriots. 
I like them by a touchdown, 27-20. Sounds right. All right. All right. So let's talk about the Giants-Seahawks game. Seahawks. Who did I pick in that game? I picked the Seahawks, I think. Um, no, I picked no, the, I picked you have the, the Giants, Giants plus the seven, seven and a half. Because it was seven and a half, and I think the Giants might stay within a touchdown. Seattle's been kind of odd team to me this year. I think um, not really much of a, uh, a great running game. Um, they don't know who to go with. There was Chris Carson was the guy. Now he, he got hurt. Eddie Lacy is there. Um, Russell Wilson is basically their best runner as quarterback. Um, Seattle's offense has looked really, really shaky. Their uh, tight end situation hasn't been good. Um, I don't know what's going on with Jimmy Graham. He must be kind of hurt. He's averaging eight and a half yards per reception with one touchdown. Um, they have Baldwin and Lockett, but no real burners in this team. Look, the Giants, uh, the Giants, gave, you know, they, they impressed me. They, they shut down the Broncos' run. They gave up some... Eh, some big numbers to Manuel Sanders and uh, um, Demarius Thomas, so the receivers could burn them. I just think that they're they're playing again with nothing to lose. They're playing at home. Uh, they need a victory at home to make their fans happy. Um, I think uh, it could be ripe for an upset again because Seattle is not really a, uh, a strong team to me. But I, I, I see Seattle maybe winning the game, but the Giants staying close. Um, I don't know what to expect from this team. Is Orleans Darkwell going to be there? They're running back again. Is, uh, is Gallman going to come back? Is Eli going to play a mistake-free game? It's hard on a Monday. It's hard to pick games on a Monday because you don't have yeah. a lot of information. Um, this, where's this game? In New York, right? Yeah. Okay, so West Coast team going east, problematic, right, for the Seahawks. I think Russell Wilson's lost a step. Se- Seahawks had a bye for whatever that means. Maybe Graham was banged up and he's mm. rested. Yeah, he's lost a step. I mean, they're a better team than the Giants, but – um, it'd be really interesting to see what if the Giants could do again what they did and surprised everybody last night um, to come home and do it in front of the fans. It would it would be it would be huge. So the fans are excited again because they see a team that might be on the winning track. But I, I think Seattle wins the game. Uh, I think the Giants might go back to their their losing by last minute field goal like they've done really really early in the season. But I think they stay with. I don't think Seattle's blowing out anybody this season. That's certainly not the Giants. I think the Giants are going to stay close, but probably find a way to lose. I'm going to say this. I'm not going to get on the the Giants are better without Odell bandwagon because Odell is a transcendent player. However, it is, you know, the rant I've been on since May about Odell and, and the locker room and McAdoo and all that. I do not think it is a coincidence that when Odell goes out and is now not at the facility anymore, that suddenly the Giants travel to Denver, one of the hardest places to play, with an 0-5 record and about 150 new wide receivers on the team that came from God knows where, and win. So, look, I'm not not saying I'm getting on that bandwagon and I'm not going to pick the Giants, but I am going to say... It would not surprise me. If I look up Sunday night at 7.30 and the Giants have won, I I would not be surprised. I think Seattle is, is not a great football team right now. Um, I think they have a really good defense, not great. I think Russell Wilson has regressed. Um, I think Pete Carroll's um, sort of, I, I don't want to say laissez-faire coaching, but his, you know, he's a very players-only coach. He's very rah, rah, rah. There's a lot, a lot of discipline that's missing on that team, and I think it's starting to show. Um, you know, they had to give up a lot of players because you can only pay so many. So they're not the Legion of Boom is not what it was. Um, and you're right. I mean, where's the running game? It's not there. Jimmy Graham, not what he used to be. And Doug Baldwin's been hurt. Yeah. So it would not shock me if the Giants won this game. Yeah, Seattle doesn't have any kind of explosion on offense or anybody that could really, really scare you. Wilson's a good player, but I think it's going to be one of those uh, 24-21 games or something like that. So. 
Um, but I, again, I think the Giants, part of the reasons for last night was that they're playing really loose. It's amazing what a team could do, and we're going to talk about that shortly in baseball. When, it, when a team is playing loose with kind of house money, the Giants are expected to lose almost every game, and they come out very loose and play the best game of the year. It happens. Happens a lot. Maybe they don't have the whiny superstar chirping in the locker room. If you room want to too. think that, you can think that that's the reason. But I, I think it's some something else. I think it's just a loose, a loose feeling that they got nothing to lose, and they come out and said, you know, nobody expects us to do anything. Let's just go and show them. All right, and, uh, we'll see. Let's talk about this Eagles Redskins game. Speaking of the NFL being topsy turvy and upside down, did anyone think that the Eagles Redskins game in Week Seven? would be a potential make or break for the NFC East. I mean, if the Eagles win this game, they're 6 and 1, the Giant the Redskins would fall to 3 and two, 3 and 3 for all intent and purposes. That would likely unless a, there was a massive collapse by the Eagles, that'd be the end of that that be the division would be close over. I think it's too early to say. I don't know what Dallas is going to be like without Dallas has three losses right now. I know, now. but but and then they're still a good team even without Elliott. But who knows? Alfred Morris could jump in there and, and, and have a good. I, I right, think but there's a lot. There'd I think be, it's too early. It's no, too early to tell. I, I don't think so because even at six and one. I'm, no, hold on. Let me let me explain. I'm not saying it's a done deal, but I am saying in the NFL, making up two games is monumental. But it's not just two games, right? Because the Eagles would hold the tie break over the Redskins, and I believe they'd hold the tie break over the Cowboys. And have they played the Giants yet? Uh. Did they play the Giants? Detroit, I'm not sure so. if they played the Giants yet, but they definitely hold the tiebreak over Dallas and over Dallas and Washington. So it's not just two games; it's two plus. You see what I'm saying? It, that's very very difficult in the NFL. The Eagles would have to collapse. Doesn't mean the division's over, but it makes it really hard for either Washington or Dallas to get back in that race. It's a are, big game. These are the Eagles we're talking about. I'm still not. I mean, uh, we thought that they'd be improved. I didn't think that they'd be a. An eleven-win team. I, I'm, I'm not getting too excited about it. I like the I like Carson Wentz, and I like the fact that they're ahead of the division. But maybe the division, Dallas and the Giants, are pretty poor. I don't know. Um, we'll see. A win will put them ahead of the pack, but I think it's way too early. Nine games to go. Um, we'll see how it plays. Um, out. One of the other things I want to take a look at is this Bills Buccaneers game. Did anyone think that the Buffalo Bills would um, be playing? So that they could potentially, you know, be one of the top teams in the AFC East in Week Seven. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I know you like the Bills better than I do. I, I mean, look, I'm not a huge Bills. Don't get me wrong. I'm not Bills Mafia over here, but I, they might be a little better than we all thought. Or do you think it was a bit of a mirage? They have a very good defense. Right? They have a very good 74 defense. Four points given up is the, is the best in the NFL. I'm not a believer in Tyrod Taylor at all. I'm not either. I'm not either. I, I I don't know what's going on with the AFC East. It is. I don't think the Jets are as good as three and three. I don't think the Dolphins are as good as three and two. I don't think the Bills are as good as three and two. I don't think the Patriots are as bad as four and two. It's weird. Um, it's bizarre. It's bizarre. But Tampa Bay, who we were both really high on. Has not lived, <laughs> yeah, has not lived up to it. Not Jam- good. Jameis got hurt, nope. and um, they almost came back yesterday. But they're not looking very strong, especially defensively. Um, so I don't know. Uh, some, I think it's going to again. I, I, let's give it a few weeks to see which teams rise to the top. But we'll see if you, if it's right for you. If the Eagles win and puts them at six and one, head and shoulders above everyone. Although the Chiefs might be six and one after next week too. We'll see. Um, we'll see what happens. I think it's it's still early, but three weeks from now, after nine weeks. That's when I think the things will start straightening themselves out. All right, let's give everybody our picks against the spread, and we'll take a really short break. So I've got um, I've got the Eagles plus three. 
I'm sorry. That is the wrong sheet. So much for preparation on my part. Um, here we go. I've got the Bills minus three. I got the pay, uh, over Bills over Tampa. I'm giving the three points. I've got New England minus three and a half over Atlanta, and I'm taking Denver minus the two and a half over the San Diego Chargers. Watch out for my Chargers, man. Two in a row. Jeez. You know who's back? Mike uh, Mike Williams made his debut. Didn't do much, but he is a stud receiver. Um, top pick from Clemson. Now, I'm telling you, he's going to make a, an effect somewhere down the uh, down the end of the uh, season. This team is not as bad as you said they were. They're starting to change. Look, the whole AFC West is starting to be topsy-turvy. Oakland's diving down. Casey comes off a bad week. Watch for the Chargers. Watch for the Chargers. Mike Williams, Phillip Rivers, they're not done yet. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. You want to give everybody your picks for the week? Who did I pick? I picked uh, – <laughs> you, you, um, you want me to tell everybody Giants, your picks? Right? You the Giants Taking plus seven, seven and a half. Yeah, yeah you, getting seven and a half at home against Seattle. You've got Dallas minus four over the 49ers. San Francisco, it's in San Francisco. I think Dallas is going to come back strong after a, uh, a week off. And you've got Carolina minus three over the Mitch Trubisky-led Bears Chicago Bears. are not Bears. a good team. They're not a good team. I don't care who's their quarterback. Carolina's a good team. I think, I think they're overrated. Carolina. All right, everybody. Those are the picks. That's our week seven preview. So we're going to take one more short break. When we come back, we're going to dive deep on MLB playoffs. Penn State fans, sit tight. We have not forgotten you. And I should say the number two ranked Penn State Nittany Lions. We're going to talk about them after the break. So hold on, everyone. We will be right back. You're listening to Sports Talk with Jeff and Mike. All right, everybody. Thanks for sticking with us. We are back. Man, October's so great. Sorry, I just had to get that in there. Um, we had some great, great playoff baseball uh, since our last show. Jeff, um, let's talk NLCS, ALCS, and don't forget to give honorable mention to the Washington Capitals. I mean the Washington <laughs> Nationals. Sorry, my bad. Um, baseball, I'm going to pitch it over to you. So great Great baseball this past two weeks, starting with the – let's go with the American League. So the Mighty Indians, who I picked to go all the way this year and had an incredible season, up two games to none, get toppled by the Bronx Bombers. Let me ask you a question. I don't mean to cut you off. We talked about this in a prior show. The Indians had that long winning streak, and we asked the question, if they don't win at all, how much does it matter? Does it matter? doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. I okay. mean, it, 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 it was a nice regular season statistic. Right. Really nice. Very cool. But, but what's the ultimate here? Is the uh, is it moving on to the playoffs and playing and winning a championship? So six straight games, this team has had a chance to clinch and move on to the either a champion at being champions or the next series, and they don't come through. I mean, I I didn't expect it, but I what really I saw was one team with a tremendous amount of pressure on them. They played tight. They played worried. They played. They played scared, and the other team, the Yankees, playing with house money and nothing to lose because nobody really expected them to go that far. They maybe were a year off before they put everything together next year. But here they are as a wild card. They, they beat the Twins, and they take three straight in impressive fashion from the Indians who suddenly couldn't hit, couldn't field, and their top pitcher couldn't get anybody out for the Yankees. Corey Kluber was beaten twice. Um, so I give props to the Yankees. Everyone knows that they are not my team, but I give them respect and do when it's due. Now they move on to the American League Championship Series. Who said the Yankees would win it all? 
Well, let's see them win it all. Who Mike. said that? They haven't, quite, they haven't quite won it all yet. Have and they? now they're down 0-2, well, by so, the way. I mean, those two, those two games were something else. Well, either, they could be up 2-0. We'll go ahead. They I could easily yeah. be up 2-0. I mean, it's great. So I see two different kinds of baseball here. I see, I see the Astros going – I hate to use the term old school, but they, they go with a pitcher. Uh, uh, Dallas, Dallas Keuchel goes very strong first game. Uh, and then Justin Verlander goes nine innings and uh, 120 pitches, I believe, in the second game to get the victory. So the Astros come up with very strong starting pitching, and they play tremendous fundamentals. Look, the Yankees had, had good pitching too, much better than I thought, uh, with, uh, right, with Tanaka and Severino. Oh, yeah. And you know their bullpen is great. But looking at the play that Reddick made, the two plays Reddick made, the catch over the wall and the perfect throw – cutoff throw to Korea to get Gardner out going to third. Why was Gardner going to third with two outs is because he was waived by the third base coach, but, that, but that, that's something that you just don't do. Bizarre play. Gardner, really good fundamental baseball player. Has, I don't blame him. I blame, and, his, I blame the third base coach. He said, come on in. Yeah, fair. I mean, well, yeah, that this Yankee team, though, um, really good fundamentally. Gir- Girardi, I, I feel like he's a great manager. It's bizarre that he was waved in. It's bizarre that Gardner, though, didn't spot right. that and say, oh, yeah, wait a minute, this isn't, something's not right here. Gardner's really, baseball instinct-wise, I've always thought was a good player. Oh, he's so tough. He fouls the oh, ball. Oh, he's amazing. So oh, that, well, that, that at bat. That was, inc- was incredible. I forget which game it was in. It was against it was, uh, Cleveland. Yeah, but who was the pitcher? Do you remember? Cody Allen. There you go, closer. yeah. So, that's one of the best at bats I've seen in the last typical fifteen years. Yeah, he is incredible. But the, the difference in this series, I think, is the fundamentals and fielding. The Astros have used their speed and proper fielding, including the the Gonzalez throw to the plate um, to to get right. the uh, Yankee runner at home. Right, uh, that was huge. And then Sanchez, who had a chance to uh, get Altuve out at the plate, drops the ball. And, um, you know, Sanchez not known for his, his, his fielding, but it's been, to me, the difference in this game is the fundamentals by the Astros using speed. Altuve's legs out a hit, steals second, comes home, uh, comes home on, on, on the hit, and the hit off of Chapman shows that here's the most un, unhittable reliever in the game, but they beat Chapman in game two. Look, the Yankees are a team, look at Judge and look at um, Sanchez. They are striking out at an incredible unprecedented rate. Someone just posted on Facebook that Judge struck out again tonight. And that game, because the Yankees are playing right now. Right. I don't want to know the score. But, but, I'm not going to say, say, yeah. But it's not a surprise, right? And yeah. Yankees had a streak of 27 innings where at least one strikeout, I think it's, it's still going. So the Yankees play a certain kind of ball. It's effective when they're hitting home runs. They have good enough starting pitching and a great bullpen, and that's the formula. Houston comes along, shuts down their power with great starting pitching and a good enough bullpen. Now, they aren't hitting either. The Yankees uh, pitching has shut down Houston, but Houston is doing other things, fielding well, running the bases well, and getting timely hits. That's why they're up two games to none. But back in New York tonight, Mike, if the Yankees win game three, I think this series takes possibly takes a huge turn in their favor because of momentum. They lose tonight. I think it's all over. If they lose tonight, they're not coming back from down 0-3, the only team ever to do that. My, uh, well, the 2004 Boston Red Sox. This Yankees team isn't doing that. I think they're going to take all three in New York. I really believe that. Look, at the end of the day, those first two games in Houston could have gone either way. If, if, they could have gone either, they could way. Have gone either way, right? I mean, no it's not like Houston completely dominated. Like you said, fundamental issue here, a base running issue there. Now, that is. 
That is the difference in playoff baseball. But Joe Girardi is so good at coaching that. And this Yankee team is not a bunch of world beaters, despite Judge. Look, they have won by playing really good fundamental baseball all season. Um, They've done it with fundamental baseball and a really good bullpen. That really good bullpen is still really good. Um, I think they can take all three. And if they take all three, look, that doesn't mean, by the way, that Houston can't take the next two back in Houston. I have the Yankees... I have the Yankees I, in all three. I just think that Judge and, and, and Sanchez were a big part of their team, have looked sure. so inept by uh, yes, they have. by the pitchers in this series that they got to do something. Those guys need to contribute. I think you agree that the Yankees need those two guys to put the ball over the fence for them to win. They need those guys. 100%. They need those guys. And, and if they can't do it, whether it's Keiko, whether it's Verlander, or whether it's Charlie Morton tonight, um, I don't think they can win. They have good other players. I mean, Gregorius and Gardner, don't get me wrong, and Castro are good ball players. They need that two big guys to put the ball over the fence. National League, you said it. Let's give props to the Washington Nationals, who took the Cubs, <laughs> took the Cubs, AKA, distance, but, AKA Capitals. Capitals. But but I said, uh. as I said last week, I, I expected something to go wrong with the Nat, with the, with the Nationals, and and you everything yeah you did call it. the Nationals, and they had a four one lead. And even the guys I was texting, my buddies who were national fans, they weren't that confident because they've seen it before. And then things just fell through. Matt Weider's making errors. Jason Wirth in left field. They're pitching Scherzer, suddenly giving up hits and four runs. And the Cubs. And yet at the end of the, the day, Cubs they were it. right there at and the they end. Right they there. could have still won the game. I mean, what a bizarre, what a bizarre baseball game. Wade Davis comes out, gets the longest save in his career, right? Seven outs. Who do, I didn't think that would happen. I, I was, in fact, I watched the game. Where did I watch the game? Oh, I was in. I was in New Jersey. Um, I went to uh, to Gary Vaynerchuk's seminar, and and the game was on the night before. I watched the game, and I thought, "What is Joe Madden doing?" And I was very critical of Madden's managing of the bullpen in the World Series last year. Now it ultimately worked out, but I still think he made the wrong calls, and he almost cost the Cubs the World Series. He brings in Wade Davis for a seven-out save. I said, this is ridiculous. The Nationals have got to hit this guy. They can't do it. I mean, you had pickoffs. You had all. You had catcher interference. You had base running. I mean, it was the weirdest baseball game. You had to watch it to really get the full breath of what happened in that game. It was was odd baseball theater. And I think the Cubs win it, the series, because they made fewer mistakes than the Nationals rather than – it was more like the Nationals lost it than the Cubs won it. And then the Cubs now in the first two games against the Dodgers in the NLCS seem whipped. And the Dodgers seem like a completely better team in all facets of the game. And what, yeah. what's really coming out, especially in all, the, in all the series, is the bullpens. And the Cubs have a glaring weakness in their bullpen. And the it's Do- been glaring for a while. It has. So and, and they can get away with it um, uh, because of their offense and their occasionally very good starting pitching. Well, they have trouble getting to Wade Davis, though, which but, is why but, Madden had to bring him in for the seven outs. And then last night, when you think Wade Davis is going to come in, because Kelly Jansen comes in for the Dodgers in a game in a non-safe situation. Jansen's good. Non-safe situation. <laughs> but, of course, you put him in. He's, he's unhittable. Right. And Wade Davis is... Is a very very good pitcher, but we don't see him. Who do we see? We see John Lackey back to back. That was oh, his second gosh. night right in a row. Am I right about that? I and, so. and, and he's never done that in his career. Never. He, he didn't have a good season. ERI well over four, and he happens to be facing one of the best postseason in a short amount of games. But Justin Turner is a badass in the postseason. He's a badass there in the regular season. Had a great year, hitting over three twenty, and he puts the ball over the fence and off of John Lackey now. Is Madden 
second guessing himself and saying I should have brought him. I'm second guessing Madden. I think everybody's second guessing. Well, not, Madden. I'm not saying it's it's wrong to bring Lackey in because look at the end of the day, Lackey's got two rings, right? He's pitched in pressure situations. 2013 Boston Red Sox last year, he's won with the Red Sox, the Cardinals, and the Cubs, right? But you got to bring in your best. I no, I, I understand that, but here I agree with you. But more to the point, he's never pitched back to back. First of all, he's pitching he's in not relief. A relief pitcher. First of all, well, right? So point one, he's pitching in relief, which is odd for a starter. Number two. He's not. He's never done it back to back. Never in his however many year career, double digit year career. So I'm trying to figure out exactly why Madden brought him in. There has to be a reason. Look, I don't like Madden, but he's not stupid. I mean, somebody there. There had to be a reason he brought him in. There had to be something that the, the brains of Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer in the spreadsheet buried somewhere where Lackey was the right matchup because the moon and the stars aligned on the on an odd numbered day. I, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. I don't know. You see it and now. And he paid in, the price in the playoff. No one's playing by the book where you, you wait for a safe situation to bring well, your, your best I, And that's coach. fine. You that's can. advanced analytics, and I'm fine with that. And you can. But why are you now bringing... time to bring him in. I don't know why, why are you bringing in. in a guy on a second night who's never done that in his career? The Dodgers are a very good team, and they go in game three now with you, with you Darvish. And Darvish. <laughs> yeah, I know. Who, uh, believe, I mean, I mean he, he's, he's an ace for any other team. He's the third guy pitching for the Dodgers. Dodgers are a really good team. And although I was talking, uh, you know, as, a, as the series was going on, I said the Dodgers don't have, other than Turner, they don't have a lot of like high average hitters. It doesn't seem to matter. Well, they lost Gonzalez and they lost the shortstop. Right, uh, right, right. Seeger's out. But they have Seager. power. They have power with, with Bellinger, with Puig, with Turner, uh, with Taylor. They, they, are, they are very good. They have the best pitching in, in the league. That's one for them this year. A great bullpen, a great closer. And a ton of good starters. Well, they're a very well put together team. Andrew have, Friedman's done an amazing job really there. Big weakness, yeah, man. They've done an amazing, they're and they're very well managed, by the way. I think very the well Cubs, managed. I think the Cubs have don't have a chance now. I could be wrong, but I could see the I could, I could see it being a sweep for the Dodgers. Maybe the Cubs win one back in Chicago, but I I see them. They look tired. They look like they're hungover, maybe from last year's World Series. They don't seem to be the same. And maybe you, you said it earlier with the Red Sox because the Red Sox now have won and the luster is gone. Maybe the Cubs have won, and it just doesn't – they don't seem to have that, that spark like they had last year. Well, the, you know, not that, it, not that that matters for the Cubs, but the 2005 Red Sox struggled to make the playoffs. They did, but they went out with a whimper um, in the divisional series against the White Sox. And, and after that, the team admitted in the offseason that there was a huge hangover because – you just can't replicate that kind of a win. There are other World Series wins for teams. I get it. But when you break an 86-year curse or 100, whatever, the, that is so prolific that there, there is, I believe, a little bit of a letdown. It's not the same thing. Now, I know that Theo and the Cubs are trying to build this juggernaut, and they built it in Boston. I mean, look, the Red Sox, they went out with a whimper in 05, nothing in 06 and then back to win the world series in 07 and it was really dramatic and it was a big deal to the city but it just it was a new roster it was a new team there were a lot of changes cubs might have to go through a little of that i agree with you they do they they haven't been right all year i mean i know they won the division but there it just does that make sense it's just been off a little for them yeah this is the second half they really put it together but their weaknesses are glaring and their weaknesses is the bullpen bullpen. yeah you said it that's their major weakness right now and they can't get to wade davis yeah and and baez is not hitting Uh, i mean that's huge he's he's not hitting and even brian is really he's not really hitting they're not hitting that much but their bullpen is so bad that if they if they fall behind it seems like they are going to be done and they're going to give their bullpen was as an ERA of over seven, so that's a that's a really glaring weakness. The Dodgers have a very good one. I see the Dodgers as a much better team, 
we'll see what happens in Chicago. It's been um, it's been a lot of a great great, great baseball, play, yeah, great baseball playoffs. Oh really, it's been great. really enjoyable. There's been some, and then, you know, it's enjoyable. I think because you've got some really good teams, some iconic teams, right? Cubs, Dodgers. Yankees, Indians, and Indians yeah. when they were there, and yeah. then but you've got some great storylines. Astros are a great storyline, well, and, and the whole city of Houston after what absolutely. they went through. So it's a huge. They were horrible. They were the doormat of the Amer- National and the American League for years. Look, look at what they built. A team built primarily, by the way, on advanced analytics. Incredible um, building on that team. Yeah, absolutely. So great storylines there. I really hope um, you guys are paying attention because it's really good stuff. Okay. Um, we're not going to take a break. Let's just get into it. Penn State fans, you have asked. We are delivering. So for those of you that don't know, um, one of the best, biggest supporters of this podcast from day one is my very, very close and dear friend, a lawyer friend of mine, Joshua Enton, um, phenomenal attorney and a phenomenal friend. He's been with me with this from the beginning, and he's been asking for some Penn State talk. I've been putting him off saying, well, let's see, let's see. And finally, I get a message from him today, which basically was... If you don't listen, if you don't talk about Penn State, I'm done. So, um, and he's right. Uh, we haven't talked a lot of college football, and we need to because this was a big, big weekend in college football. Huge upsets. Clemson went down. Washington went down. Washington State went down. Um, I mean, just craziness across the board. Uh, Boston College won. I think they beat Louisville. Yeah, um, killed Louisville. Yeah, killed, Louisville. They just killed them. Gone. Yeah. So we look at the the AP and the coaches came out. You got Alabama at one, Penn State two, Georgia three, TCU four, Wisconsin five, Ohio State six, Clemson seven, and then the big, the curious one for me is Miami at eight. Miami with two. Oh man, that's hard to swallow, right? At well, eight. Put, putting the fandom aside, just strictly be objectively looking lost. at this, look, but they should have lost the last two games. They won in dramatic fashion. Um, Rozier Juniors had two amazing comeback wins for that team. If you're a Canes fan, and we're going to talk about Penn State, calm down, everybody. But if you're a Canes fan, I do think you have reason to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why are we at least not six? Why is Ohio State and Clemson with one loss sitting ahead of us? Um, Look, the question that was posed is this. Is Penn State the best team in college football? And I'm going to give you a direct answer. No. It's Alabama and everybody else. Every single team, including Penn State, by the way, who had to sneak by Iowa, every single team has had a hiccup here or there, whether it's an actual loss or the possibility of a loss. The only team that has rolled through the season with nothing going wrong is Alabama. They are a true juggernaut, and I don't see any challenge coming for them in the near future. They're certainly not going to be challenged in the SEC championship game because the SEC East is well, I'm going to take that back, actually, because Georgia's ranked three, and they're pretty good. But you know what? Georgia's not beating Alabama. I got news for everybody. Georgia will not beat Alabama. Um, but do I think Penn State's the second best team? Can, can I ask you or Josh? Um, I mean, Penn State's got some – the games are coming up that are really important. That's right. right? So they got Michigan. Right. Go through Iowa it. State. Michigan State. Right. Right. And then – Eventually, uh, Nebraska after that. I mean, Let that, me ask you. That's going to define their season. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> you, you, you stole the thunder. We didn't steal it. You're right. That's the point to Josh, which is but, they're 6-0 and right now, but, but come on. Let, let's all be? calm down. Well, they've, they've had, they're in the Big Ten. I think the Big Ten is the best conference in college football, but um, they – they have not played Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan State. I mean, at the end of the day, that's, that's the storyline, right? Where is that Ohio State game? At Ohio State. 
Ohio State. Penn State's going to lose that game. That's the 28th of October. Penn State's going to lose that game. Next week, it's uh, they host Michigan. Michigan and they has, might lose that game. Yeah, Michigan has been kind of weak offensively, especially. Very weak. But I love Penn State. I love Barkley. Um, I think their test comes the next three weeks. I agree with you. Alabama is the best team in the country until somebody knocks them off. And I don't see anybody knocking them off. That's not happening. I don't know who's going to knock them off. Nobody's going to knock them off. Georgia was the only team that, I mean, I, I don't know. Georgia's not going to knock them off. And, and here's why. Georgia's playing in the SEC East. It's ridiculously weak. There is not a good team in the SEC East. Florida is not good. Tennessee is not good. Um, Kentucky is not good. I mean, none of them are good. The SEC East is dreadful. It's one of the worst sides of a conference in, in top five power conferences. What happened to Clemson? I well, was high okay. on Clemson. So I watched that game from Syracuse, beginning to end. Oh, my God. First of all, Syracuse played an amazing game, great game plan. Clemson's quarterback was hurt. He should have never started the yeah, game to begin with. Yeah. You could see him. He couldn't run. He was limping the whole game, and then he gets a concussion, and, and it was game over. Look, and Clemson, by the way, was still hanging in there with their, with their I think it was redshirt freshman quarterback coming in. But all the credit to Syracuse. You know, I actually have a family member who's a college intern there and was on the field. Jonathan Gunter, if you're listening, um, he's, a, he's a recruiting intern for the Orangeman football team. Um, and I sent him a message on Facebook just congratulating him for the win. Look, Syracuse dominated that game. They From the beginning, they went right down the field, scored. I texted my buddy Eli. I said, I, I really hope you didn't take... I hope you didn't take Clemson minus the points. How many points? Are a lot of points. I don't know what the line was. Uh, it had to be big. It had to be over 40, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, but look, if Clemson wins out, they're going to face Miami in the ACC championship, and if they have their starting quarterback, I mean, the odds say they should beat Miami... But look, I, as much as I, I didn't want to believe it at the beginning of the season, this Miami Hurricanes team might very well be for real. They really might be. They've had two great comeback wins. they got to beat Notre Dame. Notre Dame is terrible. Virginia Tech. Uh, no, Virginia Tech is not a world beater. No, Notre Dame is not good. They are not even ranked. They are a bad football team. The Hurricanes will destroy them. Do, do you know there are three Florida teams that are undefeated in the top And 25? one of them is... My alma mater, the University of South Florida Bulls, University. six and zero, and the only team in the history of college football to score thirty straight points in I think eighteen games, maybe. You know who the other team is? UCF. UCF. Yeah, I know UCF, <laughs> ranked twentieth in the country. Unbelievable. And I think South Florida, by the way, that's tied at sixteen. That's low. That's too low. That's too low. I know they're in the American Athletic Conference, but and I'm sorry. Only correction: Notre Dame is ranked. They're thirteenth. I still think they're terrible. Um, and Vatek is 14, so Miami's got to get by those two I teams. I think Miami's going to destroy both those teams. I think Notre Dame's tremendously overrated. I don't think Brian Kelly's very good. Um, South Florida's 6-0. and They should be ranked ahead of USC right now. They should be 10th, 11th. They should be low. Quentin Flowers is one of the best USC quarterbacks. USC is not very good. Quentin Flowers, quarterback for the University of South Florida Bulls, is arguably one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Arguably who's not getting a lot of attention right now, but will if South Florida keeps running the table. And let me ask you this, and then I think we can close it out. Um, well, first of all, Josh, the answer is, is Penn State the best team in college football? No. Let me, add, let me put this out there. If the South Florida Bulls ran the table in the American Athletic Conference, right, should they be in the playoff? No. What, what do you mean, no? No. What do you mean? What, in why the playoff? No? Yeah, the playoff. Why no? Why no? The top four teams in the country are in the playoffs. That would be correct, yes. All right. And, and, and you're saying that they're going to be, that South Florida is, is going to be in the top four teams if in the country. If they run the table. Who are they beating? 
Well, they're beating the teams. Who are they going to beat? They're beating the teams on their schedule. Mike, I think the, the, the show's gone on too long because obviously, because you're not making any sense at all. What do you mean I'm not? What if Alabama is the only undefeated team and you've got a champion from the Big Ten with a loss, a champion from the Big 12, the Pac 12, and the ACC all with a loss, and South Florida is undefeated end of the season? You're telling Tell me. Tell me who they beat this year or who they, if they run the table, who they're going to beat. So they're going to finish higher than Georgia, even with, with the loss, Ohio State, well, Clemson. Georgia, the SEC is Penn bad. State. Mike, Mike. Easy. I, I, I take that as, as same as when you said that the Patriots were going to go 16 and 0 this year. You really have to bring, hey, it, I back, had the Yankees. bring it back down to earth a little okay, bit. Okay, I've got the Bulls schedule up and Yeah, let's see, let's see those teams. That, I mean, they, they, have, oh. they can only play their schedule. Let's hear it. Let's see it. Yeah, Who are the powerhouses oh. at the beat? <laughs> <laughs> well, they had games against UConn and UMass that were canceled. Oh, oh, oh. oh. <laughs> Wait, oh, okay, so it's. it's <laughs> I can't even get it out. Right. I mean, it's Tulane, ah. <laughs> Houston, oh Yukon, Tulsa, <laughs> and and why, UCF. Why don't you stop right there? Right. Uh, I think we should it, end on that and note. A, and if they run the table, you see anybody on the team? Uh, uh, that, that's okay. It was it was a nice thought. <laughs> it was a nice dream. If you but could it's see not reality, folks. Right. Well, I went there though. Okay. Very I nice. went there. <laughs> so, so I've got a lot of love. All right, everybody. Um, listen. Um, we went a little longer because we're not doing a show. Um, we're not doing a show later this week or Monday. That's correct. Or, or Monday because I'm traveling up to new England for the Patriots Falcons game. So I'll be in Foxborough Sunday night, Jeff. I think you're I traveling to see then New York. I'm going to see army temple at West point Saturday. That'll be tremendous. Be cool actually, game. that'll be tremendous. So everybody, you have a great sports week. Watch the MLB playoffs because they're amazing. Um, Watch the University of South Florida Bulls, your future national champion. (laughs) Listen, everyone, um, just so you know, make sure you contact us if if you like what you hear. If you don't like what you hear, your feedback's important. If there's something you want us to talk about, find me on Instagram, at Melkins1. Hit me up on Twitter, Melkins31175. Email the show, jmsportspodcast at gmail.com. Go to our Facebook page, at jmsportspodcast. Have a great week, everybody. We will be back next week. Uh, Talk to you later, everyone. Take care. Later. Have a good night. Good night.